What's up, everyone? Welcome in. Welcome to episode 44 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. It's terrific to have you in on a Tuesday. I'm on the fast track to Christmas break. I've got only two weeks left. Well, really three weeks if you're counting exam week. Uh, I've got to go in on four days that week at 8.30 in the morning for just one exam each day. So it's not too bad, but I've really only got two more weeks of school. So I'm right there. Just got to push through. Uh, I, today I just did a presentation for my geology class. Real simple, five minutes, easy 10 points. Uh, tomorrow I've got a presentation, real laid back, easy, chill. Uh, I've got another speech coming up. Um, I've got some stuff going on in my media classes. Uh, and and as I've mentioned before, I'm on the sports staff at Orbit Media at Muskingum University, and I'm calling a couple basketball games here in the, in the next week or so, this Saturday and next Thursday. So that's going to be really fun. Uh, so I'm I'm right there. I'm just got to push through. And once I hit Christmas break, I'm going to be off for a whole entire month up until January 14th. And that's going to be a great, great month as far as this show goes. Going to be able to be extremely consistent, push really good content, and really, really go go hard each and every day. I mean, I go hard now. But I'm trying to fit in homework in in places as well. So I've got to kind of limit myself to, you know, only certain topics that I know I can talk about for a while and and things like that. Whereas if I have a lot of time, maybe I can touch on several other topics as well. But I'm on the fast track, man. I'm right there. Just got to push through. And... Got just just a couple more weeks, and I got to push. But right now, it's a it's a great, great time in sports, as I've as it always is. Really, uh, the NFL season is getting close to an end as far as the regular season goes. Playoff picture is extremely relevant at this point. Uh, the NBA season, not much news, but you know we're really in full swing as far as the NBA season goes. Um. College football, the playoff, the, the the rankings come out tonight. So we'll, you know, we'll see how that goes, and I'll I'll detail you know what I think is going to happen in my predictions later. Uh, hockey, you know, that's that's in full swing. MLB is in off season right now; they're in the free agency period. Not too much going on. Really, only two major free agents: Bryce Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. So obviously I'm going to keep my eye on that. But right now, it's football and basketball, man. It's football and basketball. And right now we're going to start with basketball. Uh, James Harden, uh, really, not just James Harden, but this entire Rockets team has been very hot and cold this year. They're 500 on the year to this point, sitting at around 11th in the Western Conference. Not up to their usual standard. James Harden had 54 points in a loss to the Wizards the other day. And Eric Gordon also had 36 behind James Harden, and they still lost to the Washington Wizards, who are not a very good team. Uh, Up until like a week or so ago, they all hated each other. So 
something's definitely wrong with the Houston Rockets. Not sure what. They're very hot and cold shooting the three. They even had some games like that last year, even during the playoffs, where they went just stone cold from from the three-point land. Uh, right now, Chris Paul is injured, and that's he's sort of the engine that makes this Rockets team go. Uh, the Rockets can only go as far as Chris Paul's health allows them. Uh, th- they had the Warriors down 3-2 last year before Chris Paul got hurt and hurt his hamstring. They had the Warriors beat. And they were really, really good. They led the Western Conference in in wins. They beat out the Warriors for best record in the West. And this year, it's just a completely different team. Chris Paul's hurt again. That's the normal story. They brought in Carmelo, and then he didn't work out. And they're letting him go. They let go of Trevor Ariza in the offseason to Phoenix. And he's a guy who brought a lot of toughness, defense, leadership, and is a champion. And that's gone from the Houston locker room. This team is just way too talented for them to be this bad. And they should be able to win regular season games without Chris Paul, but they're losing to like the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Washington Wizards. They're losing to pretty subpar teams. And it's very concerning early on in the season, especially since most of the team is constructed the same way, uh, except for a couple of subtractions. But there's not no major additions anymore besides Carmelo Anthony, who's now gone. The, the success of the Houston Rockets is dependent on the health of Chris Paul. If he's injured, this team's not going to get very far in the playoffs. If he's healthy, this team has a great shot to make it to the NBA Finals. They were one game away last year until he got hurt. The Rockets need Chris Paul. He is a necessity for this team to be a championship contender. And right now there's a lot wrong with the Rockets. They're hot and cold from three. They're not consistent enough to win games on a regular basis. They've got some injury issues. And James Harden playing out of his mind. He scored 54 in a loss. It's not every day you see a player score 54 points and their team loses. It's like Monday Night Football last week. Chiefs-Rams. It's not every day a team puts up 50 points and loses. It's... That's just crazy that James Harden had to do that much. Even had... A crisp 36 from Eric Gordon behind him, and they still lost. And that's just really telling of how this team is, how it's going to be for the future, and and they've got to figure something out before, you know, it's they got to figure it out before it's too late. All right, so like I said, the college football playoff rankings come out later today. Uh, and and we'll, I'll, I'll certainly bring those to you uh, when I receive a notica- notification for them. So what I expect to see out of the playoff rankings, obviously Alabama number one. 
Clemson, two, Notre Dame, three, and Georgia, number four. That's what I expect to see. And as I've mentioned many times, what I think is going to happen by the end of the year is Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and then Ohio State. And Ohio State, the other day, I told you they were going to beat Michigan. I didn't think they were going to, you know, hang 62 on their defense and and dominate them. But I told you they would win. And Ohio State, that was a big statement win, beating the number four team in the country. Really puts them in a great position, assuming they win their conference championship to make the playoff. But they beat a Michigan team that was number one in the country. The best defense in the country. And Dwayne Haskins shredded that Michigan secondary. I mean, absolutely shredded them. Huge win for Ohio State. And really, for my for my scenario to happen with Ohio State in the playoff, it's contingent on several factors. A lot of things got to happen a certain way. We do know that Alabama is going to be in regardless of if they win or lose to Georgia in the SEC championship. Alabama's won. Georgia, I believe, was number four in the AP polls. If Georgia were to beat Alabama, Alabama's only going to fall to three or four, and, Al- and Georgia's going to jump to one or two. That's how it's going to work. Now, Georgia's going to be in, obviously, if they beat Alabama. But if they were to lose, they're going to be out of the playoff. Notre Dame is going to be in the playoff because they don't have a conference championship. They're going to be in by default. They have nothing to to gain or lose, so you can't just take them out. I do think they are the weakest team of the four currently. Alabama, Georgia, Clemson. I think Notre Dame is the weakest out of those four. And so Notre Dame is going to be in. And then Clemson, they play... The Pitt Panthers in the ACC championship. Pitt's not a bad team, but I'm pretty sure Clemson's going to win. They're the better team, better roster, better coaching, better everything. They should win. Assuming they win, they're going to be in. And that's going to leave Ohio State and Oklahoma fighting for five and six. Well, fighting for four and sitting at five or six. And right now, I think Ohio State is the better team. I think Ohio State is better than Oklahoma. They, their offenses are close to the same. Oklahoma's might be a little bit better, but defensively, Ohio State's defense is much better. It is a much better defensive team than Oklahoma. And if you look at the strength of schedule for both the Oklahoma Sooners and the Ohio State Buckeyes, football power index ranking for Oklahoma is 5 and for the Buckeyes, it's six. Strength of record, six for the Sooners. Fifth for the Buckeyes. Strength of schedule, 34th for the Sooners. 48th for the Buckeyes. So that's a pretty wide gap. The Sooners have three top 25 wins, and the Buckeyes have two top 25 wins. And one of those wins came against the number four Michigan Wolverines. And then each loss for both the Sooners and the Buckeyes, the Sooners lost by three to Texas whom they play in the Big 12 championship. And then the Buckeyes lost to Purdue, who was unranked at the time by 
29. So really, Oklahoma probably, based on these numbers here, is the better team. Based on those numbers that I listed, FPI, strength of record, strength of schedule, top 25 wins and loss, their worst loss. But I still firmly believe that Ohio State is the better team. They've got a better defense, better pass rush. I mean, in the Big 12, they don't play any defense whatsoever. That's why Oklahoma's in shootouts every week. Because they don't have a defense. Because no team in, in the Big 12 has a defense. Although I think o- Oklahoma is going to put on a fireworks show in the playoff, I think Ohio State matches up better with every team in there. They match up they match up better to Oklahoma or to Alabama than Oklahoma does. Obviously, this is all contingent on several things. Ohio State, you know, we're assuming they beat Northwestern in the conference championship. They're a ranked team. Oklahoma's playing Texas, who is number 14 in the country. We're assuming they win. And we're assuming everyone else takes care of business in their in, in their conference championship with the exception of Notre Dame. We'll see how it shakes out. I'll let you know what the official rankings are when I get them. But right now, my prediction for this week, Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Georgia. By the end of the year, it will be Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Okay, so we're going to shift over now to some NFL news. A little bit somber news. Uh, to start out, uh, the Houston Texans owner, Bob McNair, dies at the age of 81. Died the other day, November 24th. Uh, obviously very sad for the, the Houston Texans team, the the McNair family, and really the city of Houston. Uh, a lot of you may remember his uh, his takes on the National Anthem protest with Colin Kaepernick, the collusion case. And he had some pretty outlandish takes on the National Anthem in terms of kneeling for it. But that's not what this is about. This is a man who was an owner of a football team, uh, got on, you know, developed relationships with his players. And, you know, it's unfortunate to see a team's owner go. It's It's unfortunate to see anybody go. But just really unfortunate situation. Uh, the Texans got a huge win last night over the Tennessee Titans on Monday Night Football. And that win was dedicated to Bob McNair by J.J. Watt. So that's good. That That's a really heartwarming moment and thing to think about. But, I mean, yeah, that's just, that's very sad. And so I, I want to send out my prayers to the McNair family, uh, the Houston Texans organization as a whole, and really the city of Houston. All right, so on a higher note, let's shift to Browns-Bengals. The Browns beat the Bengals 35-20 to on Sunday. And there seems to be a little bit of beef uh, between Baker Mayfield and Hugh Jackson, not necessarily beef between them, but Baker Mayfield's got some issues. And really, the only word that comes to mind is childish. 
you may have heard this, you may have seen it, you may have not. But Baker Mayfield acted as if Hugh Jackson just up and left the Cleveland Browns and went and joined the division rival just because. Um, Hugh Jackson was fired. I'll repeat that again. Hugh Jackson was fired. 2.32 and... No, not two. Yeah, 2.32 and 1. When he was fired as Brown's head coach. And he was unemployed. That's why he took the Bengals job. He worked on the staff before. Before he came to Cleveland. The man wants a job. He's unemployed. What do you mean he left? You fired him. And I don't, and personally, I don't know why, Baker, you're complaining. You're playing better without Hugh Jackson. Touchdowns up. Turnovers down. Passing yards up. Passer rating up. QBR. Completion percentage. All of those are up. Right now in the games where Hugh Jackson hasn't been the head coach for the Browns this year, Baker Mayfield has the second highest passer rating in football behind Drew Brees. And boy, Drew Brees is having a heck of a year. But like, Hugh Jackson was fired. I don't get what you're talking about. Oh, he, he left us to go join our division rival. We play twice a year. He was unemployed. What do you mean he left? Your owner, John Dorsey, he fired him. It's simple. I don't know what you're beefing about. Just ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And speaking of ridiculous, Phillip Rivers played ridiculously well on Sunday. Beat the Arizona Cardinals 45-10. to Rivers went 28 for 29. Threw three touchdowns. And he completed his first 25 passes of the game. And if you want to look at the odds, SportsCenter posted this on their Instagram. I'm sure it's on Twitter. Uh, it posted it a day ago. You can find it anywhere. The odds of Phillip Rivers completing 25 straight passes is 86,000 to 1. And the odds of being struck by lightning, 15,000 to 1. So close to six times the odds. The odds of compl- the odds of getting struck by lightning are almost six times greater than the odds of completing 25 straight completions. Phillip Rivers is playing out of his mind this year, having one of the best statistical seasons of his career. He's playing lights-out football. For him to complete 25 passes in a row, three of them for touchdowns, that's, that's special, man. Phillip Rivers is having an MVP-caliber season. I don't think he's going to win it. But he's having an MVP season playing outstanding football. And I'm not sure if the 25 for 25 is really a reflection on the defense or the offense, but man, Phillip Rivers is great this year. I love the Chargers. Spoiler alert, they're one of the top teams in my Ford food chain 
once again. All right. So Reuben Foster, linebacker for the San Francisco 49ers, was just released by the 49ers after being arrested for domestic violence allegations. This is a man that has been on the wrong side of these allegations for, you know, a long time. Four times, I believe, within the the past six months or so that he's been, you know, accused of domestic violence. And that's just not a good look, man. It's not a good look for the NFL. I mean, the Redskins, it says a lot about their morals as an organization for them to pick pick up Reuben Foster as if he's done nothing wrong. And then you get a young, up-and-coming linebacker in this league. I mean, just think. Ray Rice took one clean shot at his wife, and he's out of the league. He was out of the league in an instant. Now players can get away with just full-on beating down women. And that's a terrible look for the NFL. I mean, this guy's committed so many heinous acts. And it says a lot about your morals if you decide to pick him up to help out your football team. The safety of individuals, women, people, is much higher. It's a much greater priority than, than, you know, that. It's just, it's a much greater priority than winning. And that's something that you can't, you can't put that below. You cannot put domestic violence below winning and anything else like that. You just can't. And that says a lot about your team where you decide to pick up a player who's been in in trouble several instances, several times, for the same issue, and you pick him up anyways because it help he'll help you win. It says a lot about your team, and that's not good for the NFL. Okay, so a notification just popped up on my phone. College football playoff rankings are out. So let's check them out. Bear with me here as I get it loaded. Alright, so, as I predicted, Bama 1, Clemson 2, Notre Dame 3, and Georgia 4. Just like I predicted. Boy, am I good. Um, And then number 5 and 6 are Oklahoma and Ohio State. You can really flip-flop them. Uh, And then the rest of the top 10, I'll just go to go to 10. Michigan fell to number 7 from 4. UCF at number 8. Florida 9. And LSU at 10. So that that's what we're looking at. I nailed that right on the head. And look out in a couple weeks because Ohio State's going to be sitting in that 4 spot. That's what I truly, truly believe. Oh, speaking of you know, college football, the Heisman race, you know, that's that's about to come to an end soon. I think there's really only four guys who have a legitimate shot of winning the Heisman. That's Kyler Murray of Oklahoma, Dwayne Haskins of Ohio State, 
Tua Tagovailoa of Alabama and Will Greer of West Virginia. All four guys, extremely, extremely talented players, have had tremendous seasons. Dwayne Haskins has broken multiple Big Ten records set by Drew Brees. And really, you know, these four guys are just great players. Personally, I think the the Heisman Trophy is a bit overrated. I don't think it really guarantees you anything as far as draft stock. I mean, if you look at RG3, RG3 won the Heisman, had all this flair, speed, mobility, power. And had one great year in Washington, one rookie of the year. And look at where he's at now. He's a third-string quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Whereas Sam Darnold, or not Sam Darnold, sorry, Andrew Luck, from the same draft, much more mature, level-headed, not he's not flashy, extremely talented, got better arm talent, better size. He's the guy you want to draft. You don't necessarily want to draft the Heisman winner. I mean, look at Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is one of the, one of, if not the most dominant college football players in history. And he barely lasted a season out in Denver and other squads. It's the kind of quarterbacks like Sam Darnold, Andrew Luck, uh, Dwayne Haskins is very similar. The big bodied quarterbacks, durable, good pocket presence, can shift around. And make any throw in the book. Uh, if, if I had to make a prediction for this Heisman Trophy, I think I got to go with Kyler Murray, man. Kyler Murray's been sensational. I love Dwayne Haskins. I think those are the two top guys, in my opinion. I love all four of these guys. I think all four of them have a very bright future here in the in the NFL in the years to come. And, you know, we'll see how that goes when the time comes. But right now, I'm really just lasered in on the playoff predictions and things like that. Okay, so as I mentioned before, uh, the NFL playoffs are about to be on their way. We're past week 12. Uh, So the playoff picture is extremely relevant now. It's something that we can look at and know which teams, you know, need to do this to stay on top or they can afford to lose this many games or they need to win every game uh, from here on out and have other teams lose to be able to make the playoffs. Uh, We're going to start with the AFC. AFC North, the Steelers are 7-3-1. Obviously, I didn't predict ties. Because who does? Uh, but the Ravens are six and five, Bengals five and six, Browns four, six and one. It's really a close race in the AFC North, with the Steelers being up uh a game and a half on the Ravens, and they've beaten the Ravens. So they'll they'll hold the tiebreaker, assuming. But right now my prediction is holding true for that division, Steelers up top. The Texans and the AFC South are at the top of the division, eight and three. 
Colts have been on fire recently. They're six and five. And then the Titans and Jags, both under 500. Titans five and six. Jaguars three and eight. Right now, that prediction is holding true. For the most part, anyways. I said the Jags, Colts, and Titans would all make the playoffs out of the AFC South. Looks like only two of them are going to make the playoffs. AFC East, the Patriots eight and three, Dolphins five and six, Bills four and four and seven, Jets three and eight. About what I predicted. Patriots are just extremely good. Um, so not not necessarily talent wise, but just overall structure, scheme, coaching. This team just never just chooses to never die. They're constantly evolving, moving players around, and it's really the best run organization in the past twenty years. And finally, for the AFC, the AFC West, we've got the Chiefs at nine and two, the Chargers at eight and three, the Broncos at five and six, and the Raiders at two and nine. I told y'all, Raiders are a dumpster fire, absolute dumpster fire. I knew they were going to be at the bottom of their division. Broncos look okay, beat the Steelers the other night. The Chargers and Chiefs, though, look absolutely incredible. They are two really, really good football teams. Chargers, I think, have the better roster, but the Chiefs have the more explosive offense. Really, really good teams right here. Um, I kind of whiffed on the Chiefs a little bit. I said, because I didn't know a lot about Pat Mahomes, I said this team was going to finish 9-7, and seven, which is still possible, but I highly doubt it, sitting at 9-2. and two. I mean, both of these teams are really, really good. And right now, my my predictions for the AFC playoffs are looking not too bad. I've got all the division leaders. I've got three of the four division leaders correct. And I believe I've got the two wildcard teams correct as of right now. Obviously, that's going to change with so many teams sitting around the same area. Uh, you know the Ravens are sitting at six and five. Colts six and five. Uh, the Chargers looked like they're going to be a wild card team, sitting at eight and three, which is pretty surprising. Um, you know the Broncos are still in it, sitting at five and six. Dolphins five and six. Titans sitting at five and six. Bengals five and six. Browns are still alive at four six and one. I mean, there's. It's a, there's a lot of competition in the AFC, uh, in, in the AFC uh, uh, across all divisions. Um, it's really, really, uh, really competitive all across the AFC. Like I, like I said, uh, but my predictions they're holding pretty true as far as division leaders and wild card. And I just had the Chargers above the Chiefs. I just had them flipped with the Chiefs record being a little worse than what it what it is right now. But right now I'm solid. As far as the NFC, I kind of missed on on one division. But once again, I nailed pretty much the rest of it. 
Uh, the NFC North, we've got the Bears sitting at 8-3. and three. I didn't think they were going to be this good this year. They're still a year away to me from being, from doing any real damage. But they've got an incredible defense, and they've proven they can win without Mitch Trubisky. And Mitch Trubisky's not even, he's not even that great of a quarterback. He's, he's very serviceable. He's young. He's good. But, you know, Chase Daniels won a game against the Detroit Lions for the Bears, over 200 yards passing, two two touchdowns. It's really just a well-coached team, and I kind of whiffed on them a little bit. I knew they were going to be good eventually, but I didn't think they were going to be good this good this fast. The Vikings are sitting at 6-4-1. and one. I pretty much had these two teams flipped. I thought that the, the Vikings were going to win the division. I thought the Packers were going to be higher up than what they were. They're 4-6-1. and one. Because I originally had the Bears sitting, I believe at eight and eight. Excuse me, I believe at eight and eight uh, in the division to start the year. I'd have to look back, but that's I, I can't even remember what episode that was from. Uh, and then the Lions—they're sitting at four and seven, just about where I had them. I got a case of the hiccups here. Um, NFC South—I had the Saints at the top of the division. They're ten and one right now. I believe I predicted thirteen and three or twelve and four. The Carolina Panthers are six and five. They've lost several games in a row. The Atlanta Falcons and Tampa Bay Bucks are sitting at four and seven. The Falcons have been one of the surprise bus teams uh, this year. Haven't been very good, very consistent. Uh, they're consistently inconsistent. How about we say that? Uh, the NFC East, Cowboys sitting atop the NFC East at six and five. Redskins six and five. Eagles five and six, and the Giants three and eight. I'm pretty much spot on. I just had the Redskins down at the bottom, and then you just move the Eagles and Giants up one slot. But right now, my prediction for the Cowboys to win the division is hanging. Strong, I predicted 11-5. and five. They've already got five losses, so I don't know if that's going to happen. But looking pretty good there. And then as far as the NFC West, the Rams are sitting at 10-1, and one, Seahawks 6-5, and five, Cardinals 2-9, and nine, and the 49ers are 2-9 and nine as well. I think I nailed that division. I've pretty much nailed my, my predictions so far across the board. Uh, although I did have... I believe I had the Falcons and the Packers as my wild card teams. But it looks like it's going to be the Seahawks because they hold the tiebreaker over the Panthers since they beat them. It's going to be the Seahawks and the Vikings. It's what it's look at, uh, looking like right now. So I did much better in the AFC predictions than in the NFC, but still pretty solid all the way around. All right, so Thursday night football, it's Tuesday, so we got two days until Thursday night football, Saints at the Cowboys, that's going to be a, a really good game, I think, I think it's going to be a better game than people uh, realize, I think it's going to be a closer game than people think, but I still think the Saints are too good of a team uh, for anybody to beat at this point. Uh, it's it's in a dome. It's perfect weather for 
for Drew Brees, perfect conditions. Drew Brees thrives in domes. Cowboys have a tough, stingy defense, though, one of the top 10 defenses in the league. And their offense is much improved with the, with the addition of Mari Cooper. Uh, they swapped in Xavier Suafilo at left guard. Things are looking better on the offensive side of the ball for the Cowboys. But the Saints, man, they have the best offense in the league. Best offense in the league. And defensively, you can't run on them. Best run defense in the league. And improved secondary with Eli Apple. Sean Payton is an excellent coach. Sean and Drew are legendary. I mean, man, that team is just really, really good. And the Cowboys, Jason Garrett's an okay coach. I think he should be gone. Uh, Like I said, the addition of Amari Cooper has really helped them out. Defense is really good. I think this is going to be a closer game than people think. And I feel like this is kind of similar to Ohio State-Michigan. I think it can be this way, where the Saints have the best run defense in the league, also the best offense in the league. And the Cowboys rushing attack will be able to to find a way to beat them. And Demarcus Lawrence and those boys on the defensive line are going to be able to get to Drew Brees. And I think there's a chance that both of those things could happen in the and I almost said the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Dallas Cowboys could have a very good shot of knocking off the New Orleans Saints. And if they were to knock off the Saints, automatically uh, one of the top teams in the in the NFC, and they would certainly, uh, you know, be one of my top teams. But my prediction, Saints, uh, Saints win in a closer game than people may expect. So we'll see how it goes Thursday night. I'm a Cowboy fan. I'm rooting for the Cowboys, but I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting a win by any means because I know how much of a juggernaut this Saints team is. Um. Well, quick side note: uh, fantasy football, man. I am just doing terrible. I've won a couple games in a row, but I just I was just eliminated from the playoffs yesterday. Um, I needed to win out and then have everyone above me lose out, and everyone above me except the one person I needed to lose. Uh, they won, so they're going to finish at least. Uh, at the very least, seven and six, and I'm gonna finish six and seven at the very most. And it's really disappointing because I have a really solid team uh, on paper, at least. Obviously, it's a lot different now than what it was when I drafted it. But I'll take you through it right now. Pull it up on my phone. Um, I have Deshaun Watson as my quarterback, one of my better picks. Uh, He's had some down games here and there. But Deshaun Watson, I've got David Johnson, who for much of the year has been a disappointment. I picked up Aaron Jones, the running back from Green Bay off the waiver wire. Keenan Allen, who's been, he's been a reception machine and yards machine, but he doesn't score very many touchdowns. He has in recent weeks, but over the course of the season, he only has three touchdowns or four. Robert Woods from the Rams. Trey Burton, tight end for the Bears. Um, Josh Adams, I picked up off the waiver wire the other day. It got me like 80 something rushing yards and a touchdown. 
He's the running back for Philly. Seems to be the new lead back. Um, kicker, I always get a new kicker every week based on, you know, matchups and things like that. Right now I have Josh Lambeau from the Jags. Um, I have the Bears and Rams defenses. They're the top two defenses in fantasy football. Chicago's number one. And the Rams are number two. Uh, I have Evan Ingram from the Giants as my backup tight end. Uh, someone dropped him, and I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pick him up. Uh, he's a s- stud. Uh, he didn't he didn't play last week. was injured. But I think I'm going to drop him to try to get somebody else. I'm thinking of getting Austin Eckler uh, since Melvin Gordon is injured. I've got Jordan Howard running back from the Bears, who's kind of been up and down. Doug Baldwin I picked up off the waiver wire from us. He's from the Seahawks. Alshon Jeffrey I traded for from Philly, and I picked up Calvin Ridley. I've got a really solid team. That sounds like a solid team. You would think I would be above 500 at least. That's been pretty disappointing, man. So I missed out on the playoffs. It's a 10-team league. Top six make it to the playoffs. So I missed out, but it is what it is. Um, But I hope all of you, excuse me, fighting off another hiccup there. I hope all of you are having great fantasy seasons. I love fantasy football. It just sucks when you're losing. I finished second in the league last year and I was six and seven when I, or I was six and seven at the end of the regular season, made it to the championship and lost. But man, I just want to have a good team that wins a lot of games for once. And I can make the playoffs comfortably and not fret every single week. But that brings us to the final segment of this week's show, the Ford Food Chain. The top 10 teams in the NFL, according to me. Number 10, Dallas Cowboys. They're on a three-game win streak. The defense is playing extremely well. They forced a lot of turnovers. Granted, they played Colt McCoy last week, but still. Um, And offensively, with Amari Cooper, they have figured things out. Xavier Suofilo in at left guard has really solidified things up front for the Cowboys. They're healthy. They're one of the healthier teams uh, in the NFC. And they're looking really good. They're about to suffer a loss uh, at the hands of the Saints, I believe. But so a really good team. And they're going to win their division. Number nine, a team I'm really high on, the Indianapolis Colts. They've won uh, four or five games in a row, five games in a row, I believe. And they're just looking really, really good. Andrew Luck is playing at an extremely high level. And, you know, if you just give Andrew Luck just the league average in terms of talent, just give him marginal talent, he'll play at an MVP caliber level. He's turned the ball over far less than he usually does. Defensively, this team's a little weak, but, I mean, this offense has been putting up points lately. I mean, they've been dropping bombs on people. 
And after starting off the, the year really poorly, they've really, really turned it around, and now they're above 500 and in prime position to make the playoffs as a wild card. Number eight, I kind of wrestled a little bit with you know, teams four through eight. It was, it was really difficult. But number eight is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they suffered a very bad loss to the Denver Broncos. Big Ben has been turning the ball over a lot recently. Throwing some really dumb interceptions. And right now they're not getting James Conner involved as much as they should they they should be. If you look at James Conner's stats, he's only had one game this year where if he's touched the ball more than 15 times, he's had less than 100 yards rushing. Every other game, if he's got more than 15 attempts, he has at least 100 yards rushing. And, you know, that hasn't happened in three consecutive weeks. Against the Broncos, only had 13 carries for 53 yards, nine carries for 25 against the Jags. And against the Panthers, 13 for 65. Granted, he didn't play in the uh, the final quarter because the, the Steelers were just blowing out the Panthers. But the key for Pittsburgh's success is to get James Conner involved, get him the ball, and be very balanced offensively. If you ask Big Ben to do too much, he's going to turn the ball over a lot. And he's already a turnover-prone quarterback. And if you let him try to do too much, he's going to turn the ball over even more than you want him to. So I think that's the key for the for the Steelers. to to They're going to win their division, but that's the key for them in the playoffs is to keep James Conner involved, get him touches, get him back into the end zone. Hasn't scored a touchdown in now two straight weeks. They need to get him back on track in order to be successful. And Big Ben needs to clean up his mistakes. But the thing they do have going for them is they lead the league in sacks. And that's a huge deal to have a a tremendous pass rush like the Steelers do. Number seven, this is like I said, four through eight is tough. You could really move these teams around anywhere. I think Steelers firmly at eight, but four through seven, you can move them anywhere. I've got the Houston Texans at seven. They've won eight in a row since starting eight or zero and three. Uh, Deshaun Watson hasn't passed for over three hundred yards in, I believe, his last six games. I might be wrong on that. I'm going to check that just to be sure. That sounds like a lot. So I'm going to I'm just going to check to be sure. Don't want to say anything wrong. I was right. Last six games, he has not thrown for more than 300 yards. I I should be confident in what I'm saying. I shouldn't have to check. Um, (laughs) But they're not asking him to do too much. They found a running game with Lamar Miller. He has resurged. Uh, He's he's found himself again. Had a 97-yard touchdown against the Titans. Uh, This offensive line is blocking a lot better. J.J. Watt and and, uh, Jadavian Clowney and those boys playing really good defense. I really like this team a lot. This team could honestly be number four on my list, but there's just so many, you know, teams right there with each other. It's just kind of, you know, you know, just take with it what you will. 
and you can make it your own list. Uh, but number six, the Chicago Bears. This is a team I kind of whiffed on this year. I knew they were going to be good. I told you this team was going to be good in a couple years, but I didn't think they were going to be as good as they are right now. I figured it would take some time, especially with Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, but Matt Nagy has done an outstanding job with Mitch Trubisky, this offense. Trading trading for Khalil Mack was one of the best decisions they've ever made. Their defense is probably the best in football. I I know it's the best in fantasy football because I have them. But this team is really good. I still think they're a year away from doing any kind of real damage in the playoffs. Because Mitch Trubisky has his limitations. But this is a team that's very scary. And it's a team for the next decade that's going to be really, really good. Number five, I've got the LA Chargers back in the top five. My pick to win the AFC, make it to the Super Bowl. Phillip Rivers playing out of his mind right now. I mean, we mentioned it earlier. 28 of 29 passing, completed his first 25 passes, 25 straight. Had a better chance of getting struck by lightning than doing that. That's how good he's playing right now. And, you know, they have their off games here and there. But really, they all, the only two games that they, they've they lost, or two of the three games they've lost, excuse me, two of the three games they've lost, I've been to the Chiefs and to the Rams, who are the two best, two of the best four or five teams in the league. And, you know, that says a lot about how good the Chargers are, that they're only losing to those really, really, really good teams. They did lose to the Broncos, but the Broncos also beat the Steelers the other day. Broncos are a confusing team to figure out. But I really love the Chargers. They're still my pick in the AFC to win uh to win the conference and make it to the Super Bowl and have a chance to make and to have a chance to win the Super Bowl. Gosh, words can't come out of my mouth correctly. But yeah, I've got the Chargers at five. And the number four, New England Patriots. Uh they just do everything so well. They've got Gronk coming back. Uh they've got an interesting scheme when it comes to pass rush they have a guy kind of just hang back and spy the quarterback they kind of let the edge rushers kind of penetrate and force the quarterback to step up and then that's when the spy steps in and stops the play and it's a really really interesting very efficient style of play defensively Um, and then like I said Gronk's back that's another weapon for Brady to utilize this team just looks as good as they always do. And honestly, really wouldn't be surprised if they made it to the Super Bowl again as they typically do every year. So the Patriots at four. And by the way, the top four teams really, as they sit right now, really I'm going to say top five because the Chargers are five, but typically the top four teams are the teams that I think uh, are the ones that are going to win the conference. Although I think the Chargers are going to win, I think right now the Patriots are just playing better football than the Chargers, um, just as a whole. 
offense and defense. You know, for the Chargers, Phillip Rivers is playing outstanding. But as a team, they kind of fall off in different areas. And right now, the Patriots are just doing it everywhere. So right now, the Patriots are above the Chargers. But the Chargers are still my pick to win the AFC. Nothing has changed there. Number four, the Patriots. Number three, the LA Rams. I mean, one of the highest scoring teams in the league. Just a juggernaut offensively. Defensively, they've, you know, Samson Abukum has been terrific as far as, you know, getting to the quarterback, creating turnovers. This whole defense has, really. And, you know, they're just a really good team sitting at 10 and, 10 and 1. I love what the Rams are doing. And the only team they've lost to is the New Orleans Saints. In the last few weeks, they've been at the top of my Ford food chain, and they're my pick to make it to the Super Bowl in the NFC. I I really like where they're headed. Um, you know, this The Rams and the Saints, I think, are definitely going to be in the NFC Championship, depending on seeding and and how else that works out uh, if they don't meet before that. But Rams at three, and then the Kansas City Chiefs at number two. The only problem with the Kansas City Chiefs is their defense. They, they've they found a pass rush in some weeks, and then other weeks, you know, it's non-existent. They've never had a good secondary. Their defense is very worrisome, and you're not going to win a Super Bowl with that with that defense. But... You know, that offense is going to keep them in games. Uh, you know, whether teams, and it doesn't matter what teams do, the Chiefs are always going to be in every game. Chiefs had committed five turnovers against the Rams and only lost by three points. Five turnovers and you only lose by three. You're hanging around by the last possession of the game. That's just incredible what that offense is able to do, what they're able to accomplish in a short amount of time. So Chiefs at two, and then number one, once again, New Orleans Saints. Ten in a row. Secondary is much improved. Best rushing defense in the league. They can run it on offense. They can pass it on offense. They've got weapons. Good coaching. I mean, they just do it all everywhere. My NFC pick to make the Super Bowl and to win the Super Bowl. I mean... There's just no better team in my eyes than the New Orleans Saints. And really, it's 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 kind of weird. The Saints, I think, are just in a league of their own right now. I think the Saints are, it's tier one is the Saints. And then tier two is teams th- uh, two through about seven. So you'd have the Chiefs, Rams, Patriots, Chargers, Bears, Texans. Those are tier two. And then you have the Colts and the Cowboys and the Steelers. In, in tier three, and I think that's just how it works. I just think that's how the league is right now. The the Saints are just that much better than everyone else, that they're in their own tier at the top of the league. Just an incredible team. All right, well, that's it for me this Tuesday. Uh, make sure you follow the show on Twitter at the Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. Follow me 
on on SoundCloud as well. I've been I've gotten an increased amount of followers. Um, I'm up to 15, which I mean, obviously, it doesn't sound like a lot, but you know, it was at seven just the other week, so it's starting to improve. Um, listens per episode has dipped down a little bit, but that's because I took two weeks off not too long ago. So hopefully, we can get that to rise again. The one episode from many weeks back that I did with Jordan Klipner, I believe that was episode 32, tweeting like a teen girl. That's at 99 listens last I checked. Let's try to get that to 100. That would be incredible if I had an episode with 100 listens on SoundCloud. That would be amazing. And I'm sure it's going to get that listen one day. But that would just be really cool to see. Um, but yeah, coming up this Friday, we're going to we're going to have more primetime predictions for uh the for Sunday's games and Monday night we'll have uh, it's going to be rival or not rivalry week but uh, conference championship week for college football we've got some great stuff coming up so stay tuned keep with me until Friday thanks for listening this week guys it's WFS <laughs>